Amen. Thank you, Joey. So this morning, we're going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, last week, we, we looked at Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. And like I told you last week, this is just a really long sentence. So we're going to finish that long sentence today. We're going to look at the last four verses, 11 to 14, in this passage. Last week, we saw several spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. We saw that we are, we're chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we've been given wisdom and insight, and we've been given unity. So this week, we're going to look at two more blessings that have been lavished on us in Christ. Last week, our big idea was let us praise God for the spiritual blessings he has lavished on us in Christ. And that's our same idea today. That's what we want to do. We want to praise this God who has lavished us with these spiritual blessings in Christ. Let me pray. And then we're going to spend a few minutes talking about who this God is. So let's pray. Our Father, we are delighted to be called your sons and daughters. We give you praise this morning for you alone are worthy of praise. Lord, so many things distract us in this world. From day to day, we're distracted by different things. God, we, we want to worship you. We want our attention to be on you. We want our gaze to be upon Christ this morning. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word, this word that is inspired, that is God-breathed. By your spirit, would you illuminate our minds and our hearts that we may continue to love you and that we may continue to love others. We give you praise. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Last week I briefly mentioned that within these these few verses, verses 3 to 14, Paul presents us with the God of the Bible. And God has revealed himself as a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So briefly, before we get into these last two blessings that are in 11 to 14, I just want us to revel, to worship this triune God for who he is. The Trinity is at work in our salvation and in these blessings. The first thing that Paul draws our attention to is that the father chooses. The father is sovereign. He is he is loving. It says in love, he predestined us for adoption. It says that he does things today in our passage in verse 11, verse 11. He does things according to his will and purpose. You see, he is a he is a God above all things. He is the one who spoke and it came to pass. He is rich in grace and he is to be worshiped. This is the father. And we see him throughout this whole passage. But then we also see the son, this beloved son, the son redeems. He, re- he has given us redemption by his shed blood. 
In Christ, we have forgiveness. It says the mystery in verse 10. It says that this mystery is to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Through the Son, we find salvation. This gospel of salvation, we're going to see this today in verse 13. It's a gospel of salvation to those who have believed in Him. That's what we're called to do. And as you remember from two weeks ago and even last week, this idea of in Him, in Christ, is found 11 times in, the, in this passage, in this sentence. Paul continues to drive home that all of these blessings are in Christ and in Him alone. That's what draws us together on Sunday mornings. That's why we want to be with one another. Because in Christ we have unity. And we want to make Him known. So that this family of God will continue to expand. And then the last person of the Trinity that's mentioned in these verses is the Spirit. Today we're going to spend some time learning about the Spirit. But really quickly, the Spirit seals The Father chooses, the Son redeems, and the Spirit seals. When we believed in this gospel of salvation, the Spirit sealed us. It is is God's mark of authenticity and ownership. You are mine. That's the Spirit seal. The Spirit was promised by the Son. He is our guarantee until we acquire possession of our inheritance. He indwells us. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5. The Spirit seals. Listen to this quote by by one commentator. He says, the Trinitarian pattern of thought is reflected in God the Father as the origin of every blessing and the one who chooses his people. And secondly, Christ as the beloved son in and through whom the blessings are mediated and the one to whom redemption both on the personal, listen to this next phrase, and the cosmic level is most closely related. The cosmic level. Jesus' redemption, yes, it's for us. But it is for the cosmos. It is for all things in heaven and on earth to be united in him. And then thirdly, the spirit as stamping his character on the blessings and as being the one who marks God's ownership and serves as the guarantee of the fulfillment of his purpose. This is the God of the Bible. He is the one who has saved us has blessed us and continues to sustain us. This is the God that Paul is writing about. And this is the God that we serve. So again, as we look at these final two blessings in this passage, my prayer is that our hearts would be so overwhelmed by this God that Paul presents here, our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, that we would just worship Him. And exalt him as Paul does in this passage. Remember last week, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. 
He says, to the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. He wants us to be so consumed with who Christ is and who this God is that we just erupt, we burst with praise to this God. That is why we've been created. We're created to worship God and glorify Him. So these last two blessings in verses 11 to 14... Let's look at them now. This seventh blessing, last week we looked at six, this week we're looking at two, is we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. We see this in verse 11, and we see this in verse 14. In verse 11, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. And then in verse 14, he says, the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. These words are the same. Paul wants us to see that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. Verses 11 and 12, yes, they, they characterize all Christians. But what Paul wants you to see here is that he's actually zooming in on Jewish believers. You see, he he says in him, we have obtained. And then in verse 13, he's going to he's going to shift that that word. And he says in him, you also. So the we he's talking about Jewish believers. And then in verse 13, he says in him, you, you also Gentile believers. So just track with me for a minute. Jewish believers, Gentile believers. And then in verse 14, he says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. We, Jewish believers, you, Gentile believers, our inheritance, all of us together. So Paul wants us to see that there is differences here. But in Christ, they're brought together in unity. The idea that he wants us to see is that Jew and Gentile, those in Christ, have been united in Christ. The Jewish believers, yes, they are chosen by God. Yes, they are his possession. They were, they were the first to hope in Christ. That's what he says in verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This is amazing. But the most amazing thing is that in verse four that we saw last week is that we're lumped into this. Verse four, he says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world in love, he predestined us for adoption. Yes, the Jewish believers were the first to hope in Christ. But now the Gentile believers are also hoping in Christ. That's where our inheritance is founded. All are grafted into God's family in Christ, both Jew and Gentile. And I want you to I want you to just put this in the back of your mind, because as we travel through Ephesians over the next few weeks and then in the fall, this idea is going to continue to come up. Paul wants us to see that this mystery has been revealed in Jew and Gentile coming into unity in, in, in 2, 11 to 16, he continues with this theme. In chapter 3, verse 6, he continues with this theme. 
Paul wants us to see that this wall of hostility has been broken down in Christ Jesus. And now there's unity in this church and there's unity in the church today. The idea of unity among these two different groups, it really does help us in our culture and where we live today. Y'all know this. Y'all know there's so much strife within our culture, within people in our country. But there's also strife right here in the church. In God's church across the world, there's strife. Paul calls for unity over and over again. The gospel brings us all into the family of God. There's no room for disunity in the body of Christ. As we continue in Ephesians, we're going we're gonna to continue to see this theme of unity in Christ. We are united in Jesus. It, do, it doesn't matter the color of our skin, the language that we speak, the background that we have. In Christ, we're one body and one family. You see, the Jews and the Gentiles that represented the church in Ephesus, there were differences. We see that there was disunity. But Paul is calling them to live out this new identity in Christ. He's calling them to put on Jesus and be unified. They had to get over their differences so that the gospel would go forth from Ephesus and all across the world. And we need this today in our churches. Y'all know this. We need this today in our churches. We need to get over those preferences that divide and see that the gospel, the gospel is what drives us to unity and to calling people to come to Jesus. And this is the neat thing here in verse 11. As he's talking about this inheritance, as he is talking about Jew and Gentile, he says that this is according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This is God's will. This is God's purpose. He works all things. He is over all things. He controls all things. He brings about all things And it's by his will. It's in accordance with the counsel of his will. So since he works all things according to his will, nothing is left out. God is in control of all things. R.C. Sproul said that there are no maverick molecules. No maverick molecules. There's not even a single atom or molecule that does something apart from God's will and God's control. That's our sovereign God. And this is assurance. (laughs) We just saying blessed assurance. If there's a maverick molecule, we have no assurance because that shows that God is not in control. But our God is in control and we have assurance. And that assurance is seen right here in this inheritance. (laughs) It is a promise for us. Our inheritance is his will in Christ Jesus. Our inheritance is grounded in our hope in Christ. Yes, the Jewish believers here were the first to hope in Christ. But all of us out here who are not of Jewish blood, who are of Gentile blood, our hope is in Christ. 
The same way that Paul is writing as a Jewish believer is the same way we proclaim today. Our hope is in Christ. So what is your hope today? Where are you placing your hope? There's confidence in Christ. All the riches of Christ are poured out on us as we put our hope in him. Yet I'm sure that many of us struggle with putting our hope in Christ each and every day. So where do you put your hope? Is it in relationships? Is it in family? Is it in a job? Is it in the power that you have? Is it in the money in your bank account? You see, if we put our hope in these things, they will fail. And we will be hopeless. Only Christ is a sure foundation for our hope. And as we hope in Christ, Paul says that that the Jewish believers have obtained an inheritance. And then he also tells us that those who have hoped in Christ, who have believed in him, we also are guaranteed an inheritance. We're guaranteed an inheritance. So what is this inheritance that Paul is talking about? What, what comes to mind when you hear inheritance? Right? Something that you're going to get when someone dies. Right? An inheritance. Paul, in 2 Thessalonians 2.14, this is what he says concerning these things, you may obtain that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The final redemption where we are with God and God is with us, where we are his people and he is our God, where we see him face to face, where we dwell in his presence. This is that inheritance. This is good news for us. Yes, we have already obtained it. And yes, it is for the future. We will acquire possession of it. This inheritance is good news. This is where our hope lies. Is that Jesus is who he said he was and he's going to prepare a place for us. We have an inheritance. And I think this connects back. So as we think about an inheritance, right? An inheritance is for someone in the family. Last week in verse 5, we saw that we're adopted as sons. That makes us heirs with Christ in the family of God. So all the riches that Christ has are given to us. We are heirs with Christ. We have an incredible inheritance awaiting, awaiting us. And then as as Paul continues in this passage at the end of verse 12 and at the end of verse 14, he, he tells us something. And we talked about this last week as well. But what he says is that this is all to the praise of his glory. Right. Our salvation, our hope, our inheritance. This is to the praise of his glory. You see, God is glorified 
by us receiving these blessings. That's amazing to me. That God is glorified by Him lavishing on us blessings in Christ Jesus. That brings Him glory. So, as Paul says, to the praise of His glory. We have an incredible inheritance. Let's continue on and finish with this last blessing here. This eighth blessing in this passage comes from verse 13. And what Paul tells us is that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed. How, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean to be sealed and, and how are we sealed? Well, in verse, in verse 13, he says, In Him you also, in Him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So how are we sealed? We heard the word of truth. We heard the gospel of our salvation. This, this gospel is good news. And it's, it's just simply, it's the good news of salvation. That Jesus Christ... He came to earth. He lived a perfect life, one that we could not live because we have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God and we deserve death and eternal damnation. Yet Christ took our sin on the cross. He willfully gave up his life for ours. He stood in our place. That's what he did. He took our sin. He took God's wrath upon him so that we would not have to pay for our sin. And now, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. This is what it talked. That, that's what Paul's talking about. The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed in him. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your life. There is not a second blessing. It's not a second blessing. When you came into Christ, you were baptized with the Spirit of God. <laughs> That's what it is. And Paul here says you were sealed. You were sealed. So what, is this seal? what, is, what does it mean to be sealed? There's, there's at least three things we learn about the Holy Spirit here. The first thing is that He seals us. As you, as you think about how a king used to seal an envelope or a scroll or a letter, they would put wax on the, on the seal and he would take it, he would take his signet ring and he would mash down in that wax. And then his ring would seal that scroll or that letter. And it, it was it was like God would, or this this king was was blessing that or had ownership of that. It was authentic. That's what God has done for us. As we've come into faith, as we believed in Christ, we're now sealed. And God says, he's mine. She's mine. I'm your God and you're my people. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
Also in verse 13, Paul says we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. You see, this spirit was promised. If you go back to John 14, this is the night that Jesus was betrayed. This is right before he is about to die and be be crucified. Right? He talks to his disciples. He washes their feet. And as they're going going to the Garden of Gethsemane, he starts telling them some things. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This helper is the Spirit. John 16, 7 says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus is going to go away. He's going to ascend to the Father. But in his ascension, he is also sending the helper to be with us. It's the promised Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. You know, last week we looked at wisdom and insight given to us by God. We have wisdom and insight because of the spirit that fills us and indwells us. This promised spirit at Jesus's ascension right before he goes in Acts one. He tells his disciples, he says, go and wait, go and wait. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what the spirit came to do. He came to empower believers to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. We want to go and make disciples of all nations. This promised spirit, he seals and he commissions us with an incredible message to go and tell. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, go and tell the nations about this incredible Jesus, this word of truth, this gospel of salvation. That if they will believe, they will find hope in Christ and they will have an incredible inheritance and they will be sealed with the Holy Spirit. The last thing Paul says about this spirit that has sealed us is that he is our guarantee. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. We have an incredible inheritance and we are sealed by the spirit. And this spirit is the one who guarantees that inheritance. Second Corinthians 1 says, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This guarantee, another word for this could be down payment. You think about going and purchasing a home. You have to put a down payment on that home. Right? It's it's in anticipation of you you paying it off. Of you getting that house. Like, this is what God has done. He's put His down payment on us by the Spirit. We have it. And He is our guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. This spirit. This spirit. He seals us. He was promised by Jesus. And he's also our guarantee. And now we await. 
We await till we acquire the possession of our full inheritance. And while we wait, we we wait in hope because the spirit has sealed us and now he indwells us until glory. Jesus said that he will be with us forever, forever to the praise of his glory. So eight blessings in this passage. As we as we wrap up today, I just want to spend a couple of minutes worshiping the Lord through thanksgiving. Let's recount each of these spiritual blessings the Lord has lavished on us in Christ. And what my hope, my hope is, is that as we recount these things and as we thank this triune God for these blessings, I pray that again, we would just overflow in worship. So this first blessing, I am chosen. I am chosen. Thank you, Father, for choosing us to be your people. I am adopted. Thank you, Father, for adopting us into your family. Those who were once orphans have now been brought into your family. I am redeemed. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me through your shed blood. I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for our sins to be forgiven. I have wisdom and insight. Thank you, Father, for giving us wisdom and insight to understand your mysteries. I am at unity. Thank you, Father, for uniting all things in your son. I have an inheritance. Thank you, Father, for giving us a great inheritance that we look forward to in hope. I am sealed. Thank you, Spirit, for sealing us until glory. Let's pray. Father, you are rich in grace. In this grace, you have lavished on us in Christ Jesus. In him, in him, we have everything. Although this world distracts us sometimes, although we are led to worship idols, pray that just recounting and understanding these blessings that you have given us, God, we pray that we would put to death those idols in our lives and that we would cling to Christ Jesus. For in him we have hope and we have life. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.